The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him. They said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. He said to them, Why? Are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. They said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey Him? This is the Gospel of our Lord. So we're in the book of Mark for this year. Let us remember, have us remember where it started because it's a key to what we're going to be doing the rest of the summer, but especially what we're doing and what this is about today. Why this story? Why now in this book? Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is what he says. Now Mark is someone who has experienced Jesus. He has seen Him. He has, he has listened to Him. He has, he's participated in the ministry. He has watched his Lord um, go to the cross, go to the grave, and come back. He's seen Him. This is a disciple of Jesus, now turned into apostle, one of the sent ones. And this is God's message through Mark to anybody who has ears to hear and eyes to read, essentially. The very first words that the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to say in his book, the very first sentence is this. The beginning of the gospel, beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, Son of God. Mark with unmistaking clarity, with the very first words, is telling us who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to be about. He is the Son of God, and it's about good news. Very first sentence. The rest of the book is going to support that sentence. It's going to unpack it and and make it revealed to us. Mark chapter 1, verse 11. In case we didn't hear the first thing that Mark says to us, God the Father speaks at Jesus' baptism. And again, God the Father will say, This is my beloved Son, with Him I am well pleased. If you want to know what this book is about, it's about you and I knowing that Jesus is both Son of Man, but He is Son of God, because that's what the Father says. Mark tells us, He's seen it Himself. God the Father tells us, verse 11. Now if that wasn't enough, then in verse 24, His first time into a synagogue on on a Sabbath, while He's in this space, there's a man with an unclean spirit, and that unclean spirit declares, for all of the people to hear and see, I know who you are, says this spirit. He says, you are the Holy One of God. So in this first chapter, we have the disciple who has witnessed all that he has witnessed in his life tell us about Jesus. He's the bearer of good news and he is the Son of God. If that wasn't enough, we have God the Father telling us, this is my beloved Son. I'm pleased. And if that's not enough, even listen to the evil ones because they know who he is. 
He's the Holy One of God. With certain clarity, Mark is driving home who this Jesus is. This has, that's just the first chapter. And then from there, it tells you what He's about. He has come, and Luke says it really, really condensed, Jesus has come to seek us and to save us. He has come to seek and save the lost. That is the reason and purpose for Jesus being here in this flesh. He has come to seek us and He's come to save us. All people. All who would turn and believe. That's what it's about. He calls His disciples in chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 124, again, he, he brings the healed man out. He heals them. And then we have to read chapter 1 and verse 40. We have a leper being cleansed. What a beautiful p- progression. He's calling people to follow. He's going into the church and He's setting the church free. And now, a classic and profound example of being wounded and separated is healed. Because the leper was just that. He was wounded with a disease. Your, your flesh rots. Fingers can rot off. Face pieces can rot off. It is a disgusting, painful, horrible disease. And worse than that, worse than the physical pain is your emotional and, and relational pain because you're separated from those you love. If you got leprosy, you are no longer allowed to be in the presence of your family. You're outside of town. You will never see them. You will not communicate with them. You can, maybe from a distance from the hilltop, see your children running, see your wife working. If they fall down, you can't help them. If someone's being a bully, you can't protect them. You're separated from your family. You're separated from your community. You're an outcast. And in this book, in the very first chapter, Jesus comes to seek and save. This leper says to Him, Lord, if You're willing, You can make me clean. And that's exactly what Jesus does. I am willing, he says, be clean. And he was. He was restored physically in his family, in his community, as a man in this life. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. In chapter 1, if all we have is chapter 1 of Mark's book, we have enough to believe. We have enough to know because we've heard it, we've seen it, we know it's about. But there's more. We have chapter 4. We started that... I think it was last week. It wasn't here. I'm pretty sure last week we got into some of the, the parables times. The whole first part of the chapter 4 is teaching. Jesus is, is basically spending His whole days amongst crowds, teaching them. And there's probably some healing because everywhere Jesus went, if someone was suffering, if someone was wounded, He wanted to raise them up. If their hearts were broken because of something tragic happened in their life, they were just missing somebody or they had lost something, He wanted to restore them with a hope and a dignity and a, and a future look, just not a current moment. So He is healing. But if they had physical, twisted arms, legs, couldn't see, couldn't hear, couldn't speak, He wanted to bring healing. So He's doing that. But in addition to that, He was teaching them. He was teaching them about the way of God and the truth of God in His opposition to all the lies. And this life that God came for him to bring to us. So that's we have this first part of chapter 4. The last part of chapter 4 is what we got today. He's going to cross the scene. There's going to be a storm. Most of the titles in our Bible say they call it the calming of the storm. And I'm going to ask you a question. Why? Why this location of this storm? This Bible lesson in Mark's Gospel. Why would they want to cross at the end of this whole big several days of exhausting teaching healing. Why, in the end of the day, going into the night, would they want to travel from this part of the lake to the other part of the lake? Why would they want to make that journey? Why this place? 
Why couldn't they just go next door to the next town over? Why did they have to cross the sea? Why? Why? What's about this journey in this night? The answers come fairly easy for us. So we think about that question, why, as we unpack it going forward. First part is, we're going to cross to the other side because we're going to move from the people who are Jewish people who know God to the people who do not know Him, to the godless people. We're moving from the Jewish side to the Gentile side. Those people, they need to know. The other reason is, and we don't quite get it, but um, there's something going on with the disciples. They know kind of about Jesus. They have kind of a hint of a relationship and a beginning to understanding, but something is missing in their journey with their Lord. Something's not complete. They're not close yet. And so maybe by crossing the sea and what's going to happen at the end of this night, they're going to know Jesus more. So is it about the ones that don't know? Yes. But it's about the ones who do know and need to, to know more. There's two powerful reasons why this is going to happen in this part of the, Mark's Gospel. And the key to this is you're going to understand it when you get the chance. It says it's 8 o'clock, church. When you get to the, read your Bibles and you read the story on your own, underline the last sentence of, of this, that paragraph. The sentence is this. It's a question. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Mark has this answer. It says, Who is this? that even the wind and the waves, the wind and the sea obeys. Circle it, underline it, because that's the key to what's going on. Who is this? Well, it's already been answered in chapter 1. It's been answered in chapters 2, 3, and now into 4, but we're going to get it in a way that's going to be more powerful than ever before. For the disciples, for the readers, for you and I, we're going to know that Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. And we're going to know that He is here for us to save us and to give us life. Bless you. All right, so as we look about this event, the first thing you want to think about is all along there's been creation times. Um, Every time he touched somebody that was sick and restored them, that's a creation event. He's creating life and healing in them. Every time he teaches to someone and he opens up their minds and their hearts to be soft towards God again, that is another creation event. This storm, this calming of the storm, is going to be a beautiful opportunity for another creation event. The Sea of Galilee. Great location for creating. Hello there. Um... Sea of Galilee, just for us to know. Um, I asked this at the How many of you have been to Israel and seen the Sea of Galilee? Anybody? Has been to Israel? I said, we've got to fix this. We, we can organize trips as a church and we can go walk in the places and read the Bible lessons and say the prayers and experience the environment for which our Bible is all about. What a gift that could be in the next couple years for us to go and maybe every couple years just try to repeat sending people over so we can walk on that dirt and experience the Holy Land. But coming back to this, since we've not been there, this Sea of Galilee, it is the lowest level freshwater body of water in the face of the planet. It's 680, 682 feet below sea level. That's, that's pretty deep for a fresh water lake, 682 feet below sea level. This lake on the western side has mountains that are about up to 1,500 feet, a whole line of them. 
on the western side. On the eastern side, they call that the Golan Heights. It's 42 miles of heights up to 3,000 feet of elevation. So if you have 3,000 feet of elevation on these heights on the line and mountains on this kind of a line, it makes for a beautiful wind tunnel. When the winds rage from the south, they're going to focus and come together in this body of water and stir it up. Even more so when they come out of the north. Stirs this lake up powerfully and against hard edges. It foams and torments. It's, it's a unique body of water on this earth. In addition to that, 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. And the waves on this body of water, even though it's not really big body of water, it's big, but it's not like an ocean, the waves can get up to 10 feet tall and the winds moving them can be up to 70 miles an hour. That's almost at the bottom line of a hurricane wind. All in this piece of uh, this piece of land in this body of water. The depth is up to 150 feet, and even to this day, it's being studied because there's like three significant levels that they study in the stratifications of this lake. But it's still they don't it, may, it fish grow well there. They're still harvesting tons and tons of fish out of this lake. It just grows fish well. And even in this lake, even today, 50% of Israel's water is coming off of this lake. 50%. Springs help feed it, and the water comes off of Mount Hermon down to it, and it's just a beautiful source of life and experience. What a neat place to have another creation event in this gospel book. In the middle of this lake. So now that's the context. Now we're at the end of the day. He's just finished teaching. And here's a glimpse to his humanity. I love it when we get a sense of not just his, his, his divinity, but his humanity. He's tired. Um, every once in a while I get a look out and see people who are, they, they've had a hard week, a long day, a long night, and they're bobbing out. It happens in church. It happens when you watch TV in your homes. It just happens hopefully not when you're driving. But you, there's times when you're tired. But you can probably imagine a couple of times in your life when you've been beyond tired, like exceptionally tired. I remember traveling once to Uganda and when we got off the plane there, I, couldn't keep, I was fighting to keep my eyes open with Jeffrey. We were trying to get to the motel. We knew if we just get to sleep, then our, our clocks would be set in a 48-hour trip coming back. 48 hours from the time we left the motel till we got to our driveway. And at the end of those 40 hours, we were tired. I mean, we fell asleep on the way to the pillow. I don't think we flipped for it 10 hours, right? There's times in your life where you're just tired, when you've just poured everything out and you've done so long, so hard, you're exhausted. Well, Jesus has loved on these people. He's been teaching them and healing and moving for all these days. And now at the end of this day, we see His humanity. He's tired. He's getting on the, this boat. There's a peace before, peace before the, a calm before the storm. He gets on the boat when the waters are probably nice. And they're just sailing gently along. That's a great time to fall asleep. He falls asleep. But he even stays peacefully asleep once the storm rages. He's asleep. He's that tired. And then these guys, while he's sleeping, it changes on this lake. It's going from sunset to dark. They do not have GPS. They do not have bright lights. And they do not have lights on the shorelines all the way around, letting them know where they're at very well. It's a very dark world at that time of history. And so now they're going across a lake in the night, trusting whatever they can see to, to help guide them. And in the middle of this darkness, all of a sudden something's happening, and they, they, they probably start getting nervous. The winds are starting to pick up. Boom, block winds, raging, 
And by the time of the year, we're imagining this would have been more the winter springtime. They're coming out of the north, so it's a cold wind in the middle of the night, raging winds starting to raise up the waves, and before you know it, they have waves up to 10 feet tall, breaking over the fronts of their boats. They're doing everything they can to keep their boats afloat. These are professional fisher people. They are now generations into being fisher people. They know this lake. They know their boats. They know everything that they need to know to be fisher people and survive. And now they're on this water in the middle of the night with a cold north wind, raging waves, and they are they're dead men. They know what this leads to. Their boats will not win, and they will not swim, and they will drown. They're going to die on a cold, dark, threatening night. And dying in the water like that's terrifying. You fight to breathe. You can't. You choke on the waves. You're drowning is, is a hard way of dying. So that's where they're at. And in this place, these professional generations of the things, the word in there, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? The actual word in there is destroyed. Lord, do you not care that we are destroyed? It's like past tense. It's already happened. Lord, we're in the middle of this lake because you said to come here. No, let's go to the other side. We're here and now we're dead. We are being destroyed. Our boat is sinking and you're still sleeping. Don't you care? Can't you see what's going on in this? He wakes up. He hears them. That's a beautiful piece. He hears them. And he says, peace to the wind. Peace. And the next thing he says is be still. Waves. There's no theatrics. There's no thundering voices and moving of arms and all this Hollywood stuff, there's just three words. Peace, be still. Done. As, as horrific and horrible and overwhelming as this storm once was, the height of the terrifying event, now it's just the complete opposite. Calm. Not even a hint of a breeze. You put a dandelion thing up there and it just hovers. The waters as calm as a sheet of glass. And how we can get that idea is the word that they used. When they used the idea of a great calm or a big calm, when you read your Bible, you can circle this word. The word for that in Greek was actually the word we get the word mega from. Mega from. It's megalei. Um, mega for us means great, right? If I say you get a, if it's a mega sale, it's the marketing way of saying it's a big sale, right? If you get the mega size of popcorn, the mega drink, it's the biggest possible. You might have to carry it like a garbage can. It's so much soda pop or whatever. Mega means big. That's how we market. Well, unfortunately, we've dumbed it down because we use mega for sales. Mega here was, the, it was bigger than that. Mega is like the universe. When you look at the spans of the stars, that's mega. When you consider the depths of the ocean, mega. From the east is from the west, mega. Here, they say it's a mega calm. From the raging of death imminent to a peace that they can't even describe because the Creator spoke and creation listened. They were screaming. Notice that He's with them in the boat. Notice that he hears them, though he doesn't join their, their terrors. 
And with peace and power, He speaks. It's done. Coming back to that last sentence, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? Everyone knows by this point. Everyone who's been reading this book knows who this is. This is the Son of God. This is the one who spoke and there was creation. They know that. And it's not the only place in Scripture where it's going to be revealed. I want to have you consider a couple of other Bible verses where it talks about who Jesus is and, and who it is that is speaking. In the book of John 1.1, this is who is speaking to this storm. In the beginning was the Word, the spoken. And this Word was with God and this Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, not anything was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness never overcomes it. That who is in that boat with these disciples. Who is this? That is who is this. But it gets more. Scripture is filled with who Jesus is and who God is. Here's another one. If you get the chance, find First Col- or just Colossians chapter 1. This is what they say who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things are hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. In Him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Who is this? asks Mark. That is who it is. This is the Son of God. And He's here, and He's for us. End with these thoughts. There's a good chance that just about everybody here is in some sort of a storm. Sometimes they're big in our lives. Sometimes they're small. But either way, they're storms. This last week when I got back and I had a doctor's appointment, Doctor was noticing some stuff going on, and I said, Well, I should be more relaxed and better because I just came back from a week of more rest and time with my family. He says, Everybody has stress. You get stress on your bodies from the food you eat. Sometimes you don't eat the best food. Sometimes you have stress in your body systems from the environment too much sun, too much wind, whatever. There's environmental stresses. Um, you have stress in relationships. You have stress from all kinds of things in the world. Everybody's stressed. Everybody has storm. Where are the storms going on in your world? Who are you still missing? Every one of us said has said goodbye to somebody or a bunch of people. Who do we miss? Who are the homes and the places? What are the careers that we miss? What are the, um, what are the things we're facing that are storms? What's the uncertainties? What's the, what's the challenges? We have storms. And today, just to say we have them. Don't hide from them. Don't stay so busy you forget about them. Just recognize them. I have them, and this is what they are. Everybody has storms. And then to a church in these storms, we're to trust. Who is this that calms the storms? It's someone we can trust. Jesus is the Son of God. 
We can trust this God because He is in the boat right with us. We can have faith in this God because He does. He hears our prayers and He prepares a place for us for all eternity. It's bigger than this life. He's gone the next step for all of eternity. Our time here is like a dot on a long highway. Eternity is a long time. He's prepared that place for us. He has promised it. He has loved us even when we were most unlovable. Sin does not win. His love on the cross wins. This is who we have. To have trust in faith in this. Jesus is the Son of God, our Lord, and He is in our boat of life with us. Next part is, and then what about the rest of the world? Can we find others? All the others around us? There's a phrase that says that hurt people hurt. Are there people that are being mean and rude and callous and just knuckleheads to you? Maybe they've been wounded and maybe they need healing too. This world is a mess and God needs us, His church, to reach out and point them to who Jesus is, this Son of God, and what Jesus is about. He's here to seek us and to save us and to love on us. We have as much need as the people around us. Once they step foot off of this night... They go right to work. They didn't sleep much that night, but they land on the foot and we'll, we'll have that Bible lesson that maybe in the days coming up. But the world has a need for our message. When the disciples get off this boat, they start writing books like Mark and they start telling the world what they've heard and they've seen because the rest of the world needs to hear that. And on this day, church, one, receive the gift, but two, prayerfully ask God to help you present this gift to the rest of the world so the rest of the world can start to touch upon the peace and the life that we've been hearing about and we participate in. It's a message. God help us be this church. Amen.